Hi, Chase. Welcome to the Blockhash Podcast. This is episode 210. How you doing? Doing pretty well, thanks. Thanks, Brendan. Happy to be here on a nice round number episode. Yeah, the even numbers are the best ones. Who wants to do 209, 211? Just doesn't sound <laughs> as good, right? <laughs> Anyways, um, tell me a bit more about yourself before we jump into Arena. I'm very curious. Uh, what did you kind of do before? Um, do you have a bit of a background in crypto and blockchain, or did you do something else? What's your story? Yeah, so I um, I guess I'll take you way back to 2007. Um, I was living in Dubai at the time doing consulting. Um, obviously, this, was, this predates crypto. Um, so I randomly met another expat who just so happened to be living in the same building I was living in, and um, that was Eric Voorhees, who if your viewers need a quick mm. refresher he you know he yeah shapeshift and before shapeshift satoshi dice and before that he was with i think it's bit instant charlie shrem's exchange mm-hmm. um so legend og in the space um so we just coincidentally happened to be neighbors um we didn't even cross paths in the elevator bays or anything it was we we met at a brunch um just in passing you know kind of mm-hmm. became somehow his names you know we weren't we didn't become like fast friends right away we didn't spend a ton of time together but you know he made an impact on me and um i'd kept up with him over the years and i remember a friend sending me you know a, a video of eric debating peter schiff i think it was their first debate and yeah on on bitcoin versus golden yeah i mean this and this was, was probably 2012 like you know, so this a few years had elapsed. Eric had become kind of a big figure in the crypto space, and obviously, you know, so well spoken. I said, "Yeah, that's you know, that's that guy who you know we met at brunch." I, you know, um, so anyway, I I kind of followed. You know, I I had also kind of started to get. You know, I'd heard of Bitcoin. I was like, I remember the first thing, the first time I heard about Bitcoin it was early. It was probably you know. 2012 and i remember thinking that's gonna be something um but that was pretty much it um and then i i saw that interview with eric and peter schiff and i said wow that's that's gonna be something big so that you know the seed got planted firmly around that time um and again you know i was an expat i was kind of all over the middle east all over southeast asia uh caribbean few other places doing consulting work for governments and things and um by about 2013, 2014, I knew, I was like, okay, what I'm doing is great, but this, this is my, you know, path. This, this is what I'm passionate about. It's, it's, you know, I'm spending all of my free time reading about this. I mean, back in the day, I remember like cruising Reddit and looking for any crypto information I could find. And you could get through all of it in like 20 minutes. Like, you know, it was, it was a great day when there was like an informative, insightful new post or something, you know. Now you try to like, I don't know what to tell people coming into this industry now because there's just so much noise, so much information, mm-hmm. so much stuff. But like back then it was, I remember just hawkishly sitting at my keyboard trying to find anything and everything, consuming everything I could about crypto. So anyway, you know, I was living in Malaysia. Um, come to find out there was actually some interesting people and startups in Malaysia at the time, but I, you know, there was no meetups i found there was a small business i knew of that custody bitcoin for people but i decided to go start traveling around the world going to what i would had 
you know, found to be the crypto epicenters of the world. So I was going to go to, you know, start in Berlin, London, New York. I had this whole plan. I was going to try to break into the space. Um, it was a big transition for me because I didn't come from the tech world at all. But basically, landed in Berlin. First people who I reached out to were the guys who founded Status, Status.im, Carl and Jared. Um, really, really, you know, kind of brilliant guys. Um, learned a lot from them. It, it turned into this, you know, first place I applied, first place I got a job. So started at Status. Um, had a really great experience with them. And then ended up, you know, Eric and I had kind of somewhat stayed in touch. And so fast forward a little bit. Um, I was brought on to Shapeshift to build their business development department and was with them for about three years. And this is where I met, you know, one of my co-founders, Charlie, who is kind of their main front-end guy for mobile and web apps. He redesigned CoinCap, the market, uh, the pricing service. And we coincidentally were, it's funny how many people I'm neighbors with, but I opened my apartment door where I was living in Denver at the time and his apartment mm -hmm. door was right. You know, we didn't know we worked together or anything. It's just pure serendipity. So, um, and then our other co-founder is Charlie's brother, um, who founded a company with Matt Stover of MG Stover, the fund administrator. And that company was sold to Kraken. So he was with Kraken for a while. Anyway, the three of us were, you know, I think the first time, Bobby hates when I tell this story, but the first time I met him, he was carrying a, a gaming PC down the hallway because him and his brother were going to do like a brother's land party weekend um, mm -hmm. and play World of Warcraft all weekend. So, um, you know, we all kind of bonded over crypto, gaming, our interest. And then one night, you know, Charlie and I talking, Charlie says, I really want to do something in crypto and gaming. And that was the birth of Arena. Gotcha. A lot, lot of happenstance there, just meeting people, you know, accidentally <laughs> living to, next to them. I want to know where you're living. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I picked some good helpful. spots, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, it's actually really funny, the whole Voorhees and Shift thing. Um, cause I remember watching that video on YouTube when it first came out, and that was really interesting. And it wasn't long before or after that. Um, I was at a precious metals conference in Vegas and Peter Schiff was the headliner there and everyone wanted to talk about Bitcoin at the time. Um, and he didn't want to, he wanted to talk about gold the whole time. You don't it say. Like the, it was like the first time like I've ever seen, uh, anything anyone's really seen that mm -hmm. and at all, the, all the questions he was trying to field were, were about Bitcoin and pretty much he didn't even like it. He hated it. So he's, I do kind of like him though because he sticks to his laurels like he's hated bitcoin since day one so good for him just sticking to it some people the go man is consistent yep. yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyways um tell me a little bit about and tell me a lot more about arena like what what is it that you guys are doing exactly with blockchain crypto gaming so our whole concept our whole premise is play to earn for any game doesn't matter if it's a crypto game, doesn't matter which console, which system. Um, as long as there's communities of people organizing, um, you know, trying to engage in a gaming activity together, um, strangers on the internet style, mm -hmm. we've built the tools, payment rails, calendars, team infrastructure, league infrastructure, um, and anything else they might need 
um, in order to coordinate their gaming experiences together. Got it. So, okay. So how does it work? How do you earn rewards um, as a creator, as a player um, when you're using this? Yeah, absolutely. So we can basically today, you know, be, being the ones who control arena, we can kind of pull the levers and decide what types of user behavior we want to incentivize. And to be honest, we incentivize all of it. So you come to arena, um, you know, it's kind of like YouTube when you, when you sign up for YouTube, whether you create content or not, you get a channel with arena, you get a team, which we call a club. And as soon as you sign up, you have your own club, you get tokens just for doing that. Um, if you create an event where, you know, people are playing chess against one another, mm-hmm. you get tokens based on the number of people and based on the number of matches they're playing, but also all of the participants get tokens as well. So basically everything's incentivized on the platform, um, at different levels, of course, it's not, you know, there's, there's certain types of user behavior that are more interesting to us. Um, long-term we plan to become a DAO and the DAO will vote and decide, you know, how different activities are incentivized, but just telling you how it works right now. Sure. So are these broadcasted on the platform or do they, uh, stream them separately and then integrate this? So we, yeah, we are completely complementary to like Twitch or YouTube gaming or whatever. Yeah. We, we don't have any ambitions to become a streaming service. We're just, but but much in the same vein as, as Twitch, we see ourselves as part of the gaming stack. Um, mm-hmm. So we're like, we're kind of this meta layer that sits on top of gamers' entire gaming experience. Um, I think what we've, what we saw when we looked at the market, and because you know we're we're crypto background, crypto natives, we kind of understand incentive systems and coordination, um, and what we've seen in terms of traction in crypto and gaming today, um, if you, you know, if you look at the giants like Axie, um, incredible what they've achieved, mm. but I find it, it's, it's, it's pretty baffling to me that, you know, we have these crypto games where everyone's focused on these silos of economies within the games. And that's just going to be a really hard thing to sustain long-term. I mean, I think it's very difficult to create a blockbuster game that people love, that has continuity, that mm-hmm. people, you know, I don't know if there's ever really been a game that people have played forever, right? Like I'm certainly not playing the same video games I was playing. There are very few. Yeah. There's a few you come back to, but like, I think a lot of the appeal of current offerings in the market it has to do with the financialization and the economic rewards and us, you know, crypto people, we understand that, you know, we, mm-hmm. we're used to yield farming and we're used to generating returns and we're used to participating for airdrops and things like that. But I think that's going to be a really difficult thing for a number of different companies to do over the line. I think a few people will do it. Like Axie's war chest is like, you know, they've got GDP of a small nation kind of capital mm-hmm. to play with. Um, you know, if you're trying to enter the space now and replicate that, it's a lot more difficult. Um, so we want to go to where gamers are. We want to be, you know, they can do what they already love doing and use arena. A, it'll make their lives easier to coordinate their gaming experiences, but B, they'll get some kind of benefit from that as well. So who's your ideal gamer that you guys are targeting? Are you going after, um, 
like the chess clubs out there, um, E5, the F6, all that kind of crap to, um, you know, more fast-paced games or things that are super popular online, like Call of Duty or um, uh, Battlefield or Fortnite or something like that? Or what do you guys want to target? Yeah, great question. So for us, this is going to change as the stage of where we are changes. Um, mm-hmm. To to get this out of the way, we we can scale across any game. So you, you know, if there's groups of people playing a game today, you could use Arena to do that. Now, there are little tweaks and specific sort of development things we can do for games, like chess having like the white and black, for for example. Um, there's little additions that we can make to make the experience better, to make the UX better for users, but we, we're targeting any and every game. Now, our business development process being an early, you know, we, we just went full-time on this in February, so not even a year, February of 21. And, you know, you have this kind of chicken and egg problem where you don't have player liquidity, you don't have match liquidity, there's no discoverability. So we had to be enterprising about going and bringing in communities to host events. Um, so that's what we did. And we targeted big streamers, Discord server managers, anybody who had a community of gamers. Um, and then we made it really easy for them to share a single link and their users could OAuth in from you know, Twitch predominantly um, and then be part of their club. So I do think there'll be an inflection point where we have like, you know, we're we're kind of rapidly approaching 50,000 users now. We should be there in a few weeks. Um, so there'll be a point where we have more inbound users creating content than sort of from our enterprising activities of going and saying like, okay, we'll put up a prize pool for this type of tournament. You know, we'll get everyone from, you know, Botez, GM Hess, big chess players to be part of a chess tournament or anything like that. We're starting to see organic traction now. Um, but I didn't just, you know, when we're at like a quarter million users, I would anticipate a high degree of discoverability and a high degree, you know, you could probably just go to the platform and find a game that you'd want to be involved in. Mm-hmm. Why don't you guys like reach out to someone like Ninja and, and sponsor him and do like a whole promotion thing and let him kind of push the platform more? Um, a lot of those collaborations with some of those gaming gaming influencers, is that what we, you would call them? Game influencers? <laughs> yeah, influencers, um, creators, yeah. Um, so so we are. We, we have a number of high-profile streamers already on the platform. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, there's kind of a sweet spot. Like Ninja's like, Ninja's probably at like Super Bowl commercial status. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas he's doing like really, you know, getting paid a million dollars from apex to play the game for so we're we're kind of focused on it's not to go too far down a rabbit hole here but the the whole creator economy we're also kind of a fix for some of the let's say missing broken damaged components of that um you've got some guys that you know it's kind of like the top one percent are eating 99 percent of the food in the creator economy so you've got people with huge communities huge followings trying to build up their brand, trying to build up their business. Um, and really only the top guys are getting much love from branded sponsors. And we're creating a place where we can kind of go from, you know, the organic people who are just starting out all the way up to the biggest streamers. So we could create financial opportunities or allow brands to create financial opportunities 
for everybody in between. Have you thought about going to like Sony or Microsoft um, or Nintendo and pitching this idea where they could potentially allow their user base um, and their players to monetize when they play online against other people as well? That'd be an interesting angle too. Absolutely, absolutely. I think in our in our mind, the that's definitely on the roadmap. And I think we'll probably start with the more indie game developers in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, who, who, who we're going to have like an easy, clear path, direct communication. You, we're not going to have like, like I, I think getting the likes of like, you know, we've talked with Ubisoft. We've talked with, uh, you've probably seen, you know, they, they just had a bit of a black eye from some of the NFT back and forth stuff that's been going on. But when you go with the more, independent smaller up and coming um Mm -hmm. it's just they're they're not as big of a juggernaut so it's easy to easier to course correct and move them towards crypto native ideas i think with the bigger companies they're still a bit skeptical um but absolutely correct i think we do want to speak with the game publishers um and you know studios about using arena natively as part of the gaming experience yeah, I would just keep talking to them, even if they're not interested right now, because it's going to happen one way or yeah. another. Um, I, I see NFTs going that way. I see, um, you know, crypto and tokens going that way, monetization and um, people being able to make money while they're playing games or in a game or in VR. That's another thing, too. Have you guys considered doing anything in VR? Um, not specifically yet. Um, although, again, like our whole thing is to just sure. be open and accommodate anybody. Um but no, we. I don't think we've we've specifically. It's funny we do we do our team stand up meetings in VR now, um, oh, because cool. yeah, one of our one of our co founders was very into this uh, mini golf game, and it's a it's a easy kind of hit some balls around while you talk to each other about what's going on with the company. So, um, yeah. If that, yeah, if that was a rough meeting in VR, I'd be hard, hard to take it seriously <laughs> while you're playing mini golf and you got a funky avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's cool people are actually doing that these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think VR is definitely the next thing. Tell me a little bit more about the arena tokens, though. Um, you said people, when they sign up, they get a set amount of arena tokens. Um, do they have to be playing games and participating to earn more? Can they buy more? And then what can they use the tokens for? Yeah, so they can't buy any tokens yet. It's all okay. just reward space. And I should note this: the the tokens that you're currently getting are like, it's like an arena credit. It's not. We don't have Web three hooks in yet. I would expect you know, the actual blockchain based tokens will be released, you know, sometime end of Q one into Q two. Um, so today, when you come on and you get tokens, it's it's you know platform credit or however you want to refer to that. Um, Obviously that's not going to work longer term. So we need to have people be able to actually like withdraw to web three true ownership of those tokens. Like I said, that's, that's in the roadmap for very late Q1 sometime in Q2. Um, Things you can use the tokens for today, um, staking into raffles and prizes, buying sort of, advanced features, um, sort of like a Discord Nitro setup from us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have a huge roadmap for always adding functionality, utility to the token. Um, 
And then, as, as mentioned, we're going to become a DAO. And once we do decentralize and, you know, open up the possibilities for the, the, the types of behaviors and things that we think is possible for the, are possible for the token, um, a lot more is going to be on the table. Um, can't speak too far into that for, you know, legal reasons, but let's just say we have a lot more opportunities once we decentralize. Arena has a lot more opportunity once gotcha. we decentralize. Yeah. What about NFTs? Is there any way NFTs could fit into what Arena is doing for monetization for creators and gamers? Funny you should ask. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have our own um, NFT mint process where you could buy profile picture NFTs from mm -hmm. us as part of your avatars. That's cool. That's like an aesthetic. Gamers love aesthetics. Um, when they're done right. Mm -hmm. More interestingly, um, we are going to have the, the, you'll be able to connect, you know, Web3 provider to Arena pretty soon, uh, thinking weeks here, not months. Um, and then based upon what you're holding, you'll be automatically part of clubs based on, you know, which, which NFTs you're holding. We also, this is the first time I'm announcing this, but we're going to be having um, a large league um, called League of Degens coming to Arena. And essentially the premise of this is different NFT communities are going to be part of this league. They're going to field teams and compete against each other in terms of different gaming experiences. And then the prize pool from that league is going to be used to sweep the floor of the winning team for NFTs. So we, yeah, we have a, we have a lot of plans for NFTs. Um, I think NFTs and gaming go together very, very well. Um, and you know, there's probably going to be a lot more to come even beyond that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, that's actually the last question I want to ask you is what do you think the future is, uh, for this combination of blockchain and gaming or NFTs and gaming? hopefully a more peaceful integration than what we've seen so far between like the, uh, you know, elephant in the room. There is a lot of animosity from the gaming community towards the crypto community right now. And I, I do understand some of that, you know, mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, um, if you're a new person looking at crypto now, I just, I don't even know where you start. Like there's just so much noise and so much, you know, finding signal in the noise today, I think is, is a job in and of itself. So you have all these gamers who come in and you have people trying to sell them things, people trying to tell them, you know, you need to buy this thing that costs, you know, a down payment on a house to, in order to even play this game. And I can kind of see why they're frustrated with that. Um, and I think that, you know, some of the other tangential arguments on the side are, you know, more representation of frustration with what they feel is kind of scammy salesy behavior. I think as an industry in crypto and recording gamers, we need to give them value first, like show them value. Don't ask for their investment. Don't, you know, don't ask for their time and money. Um, and with the future promise of like, Oh, you'll get something more from this, you know, show them value now. Um, that's, that's how we need to court the gaming industry. So, that, you know, I think it's absolutely incumbent upon us to not treat gamers like investors, like 
you know, we're not trying to sell them tokens. We're trying to, you know, free them from some of the sort of bad practices in web, you know, the things that they don't like about their web two experiences, the pay to play, the loot boxes, the crypto really can be beneficial in that regard. It, you know, but unfortunately I think we've, we've taken kind of the wrong tack as an industry and pushed, you know, we'll buy more values are inflated hundred X from what you're used to. Um, so we need to be much more about bringing value up front showing them what it's like to actually own the assets that you know are part of your gaming experience and what the benefits of those are um, you know so an interesting backstory there's a quote from vitalik that i'm probably going to butcher but a lot of his impetus and a lot of his reasoning around thinking about you know owning assets and crypto and creating ethereum was around a world of warcraft experience where there was a rule change or something happened and he either lost items or those items were re-statted or something happened and it made him feel helpless. Like he had put hundreds of hours into creating, you know, this World of Warcraft experience. And then he things that he felt that he had owned and had, you know, earned were taken away from him. So we really should be a lot more aligned with gaming than we are currently. Yeah, I... I think two things. One, it's incredibly saturated right now. There's so many tokens, so many NFTs, so many cryptocurrencies in general. Um, there is a lot of noise, and it's really hard to sort through all that. And you know, a lot of that's going to have to get filtered in some kind of way, um, which you know, naturally the market will figure out on its own. It's just it's cool to see so much interest and so many people want to do stuff, but there's so much garbage out there too. Um, it's, it's like, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to buy? What are you supposed to utilize? Um, and then, you know, the other thing I've heard that from Vitalik before, I don't remember where, but yeah, it's, it makes a lot of sense. What sucks is like when you play a video game and they encourage you to buy all these extra map packs, um, accessories for your weapons and for your character and all these crazy things and then a new game comes out and that stuff is gone or locked to that one game and you never play it again and, and you have maybe a couple hundred dollars invested into it because you bought crap is gone or you've earned stuff in the game you've been playing it for years and you can't transfer it um that's a huge issue why not just create one kick-ass game you can update and then you know actually have in-game items that you won't lose that you could actually resell or trade at some point Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's the attitude that we should have as, a, as an industry, as opposed to, hey, you can do those things that we just talked about, but instead of a couple hundred bucks, it's a couple hundred thousand. Like that's, that's what we need to get away from, right? We need, yeah. we need the like, like gamers to be able to come in without, you know, if you do invest a couple hundred dollars, you should be able to keep that value at least or exchange it when you're done. Um, but we shouldn't be hitting them in the face with like, oh, you want to play my game? Here's a $25,000 entry fee to get the assets you need to play this to start with, you know? Yeah, I think if there was confidence behind knowing you own what you're buying and it's going to go with you, with your profile or your uh, crypto address, wherever you take it, and that it can be taken to other games or other platforms in some kind of way, then people will invest a lot of money into it. Um, it just doesn't exist today, but I think we're heading that direction. Everyone seems to be aligned with going that way. Absolutely. And we're, we know that we can do that for the meta experience, for people's mm -hmm. profiles, for, for anything. I, I can't sit here and guarantee to you that Arena 
we'll have, you know, in-game items tomorrow. It's just not going to happen. But if we are successful, if we do get critical mass from gamers, if we do become part of the gamer stack, which we think we're going to, it's only going to be a matter of time before we are kind of the, you know, de facto place where that type of exchange happens. Um, you know, because we're we're a crypto native gaming platform. So our our whole mission is just to facilitate that and, you know, to, to make an easy, beautiful experience for gamers to come in and have a great gaming experience and own the actual assets that they're, you know, that are part of their gaming experience. Yeah, it's, it's exciting times, man. And it's exciting for gamers out there as well. who have been playing for a long time. Um, Anyways, this is a good place to wrap up. Chase, thank you for taking the time to come on the show and dive into the, the great stuff you guys were doing for Arena, uh, with Arena for, uh, you know, gamers and um, players and, you know, those that want to own more of their experience, monetize more of their experience and have a better, you know, overall gaming experience. It's very cool what you're doing and excited to see how it shapes up and congrats and good luck. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate your time. Just so everyone knows, it's arena.gl. Um there's oh, a yeah. lot of readers where, out there. Where should they go? Um, there's the website, and then uh, where else you want them to go? Discord or Telegram? Yeah, or definitely di hop into our Discord. Um, I'll share a link with you after. I don't know if that can go in a description or not. Yeah, it can. Um, yeah, arena.gl, um, and then Twitter. Those are the places that we're active right now. Okay, perfect. I'll make sure they go into the description. Um, you can shoot them over my way, too, as well, if you want. Anyways, talk to you soon, Chase. Pleasure. Thanks. Bye.